Live, episode 28 of Living the Guide Life with Ian Majak from Montana and also a salmon fishing guide in Alaska. Also runs Traverse Unlimited, which uh, brings it back to his hometown of Traverse City, Michigan. And they book people on different types of hunting and fishing adventures that they've been fortunate enough to travel on. And we have a great talk about big game hunting and a bunch of talk about fishing up in Alaska and some of the trips that he's had the pleasure to go on. And the best part about it, talk about some uh, brown bear hunting, which is an absolute treat to hear about. But make sure to bring your books because you're going to need them. So I hope you guys enjoy. We are live with episode 28 of Living the Guide Life with Ian Majak on, um, current resident of Montana and part-time Alaskan who is a sport fisherman guide up there but does hunting all around town and uh, likes to travel, was raised up in uh, Traverse City, Michigan and uh, made his venture out west. So, Ian, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Chance. Thanks for having me on the show, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. How's the Montana weather right now? Uh, you know, it's not too bad, man. It's uh, It's been one of the more mild winters I think we've had in a while here. I'm looking in the backyard. We only have, oh, maybe two or three inches of snow. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, nothing to complain about. You know, it helped with the hunting last fall, so uh, we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. And what are you hunting out there when oh, you, when you, you get know, to hunt? When I, yeah, when I moved out here 20 years ago, it was all about elk, man, especially with uh, archery equipment. Um, that was a real big, real big passion of mine. Coming from uh, Michigan, um, I just didn't know how to do it. You know, the mountains, yeah. uh, the landscape, all of it was completely new to me. So, um, yeah, I started out chasing chasing elk around and making some really weird sounds and uh, <laughs> running them from mountain range to mountain range for the first three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, until I figured it out, but um, luckily I, I met some, uh, you know, some fellow Midwesterners that moved out to Bozeman uh, to go to school as well, and we kind of figured it out. But since then, it's you know, for me, it's more about the mule deer, man. Big trophy mule deer. That's what trips my trigger now. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig then. Yeah, they're uh, they're hard to find, man. I think that that's why I enjoy uh, I enjoy chasing as much as I do. I think they're way way harder to hunt and harder to find um than elk are and uh i don't know it seems like huh. anymore there's fewer and fewer of them uh around just because it seems like like anything else they're getting pretty popular to hunt and um yeah i just then it ties into my michigan roots too you know chasing deer around deer camp and that camaraderie so yeah, yeah i would call myself i call myself more of a mule deer hunter now okay yeah and it looks like uh you're doing some cat hunting as well you've done some of that yeah, chasing lions around is a trip, man. I would, uh, I would highly recommend it to anybody um, that hasn't tried it, man, because it's all about the dogs, man. Yeah. It is, the hounds are so cool, man. They have such big voices, and uh, you know, I've always been kind of like on the fence about predator hunting. Okay. Um, but then the further I progressed into it, especially being a, an avid deer hunter, you know, I think that it's important nowadays to be well-rounded you know yeah. it's like hey i love i love chasing these deer and these elk around so much um maybe i should give them a hand you know and try and take a 
a cat or two out or a coyote or two out or a wolf or two out you know somewhere along the way but yeah man the line the line hunting is, is so next level with the hounds yeah i love it yeah i uh i met up with some so i was working on my buddy's ranch out in montana over the summer for a little bit and they have a bunch of mountain lion hunters out there that uh they let go out there but they were telling me like if you get near an area with like a pack of wolves like they'll chase your dogs down and like kill your dogs and i was like dang that's pretty intense oh yeah yeah the wolves are uh yeah the wolves are on a whole nother level too the thing that's crazy to me about uh, circling the wagon, the lions, like if the lion, if a mountain lion truly knew what they were capable of, <laughs> like, man, us as human beings, dude, we would not be safe in the mountains at all. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, I hear you on that. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, if they really, like, put it together, they could smoke those dogs with one paw. Oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah, the dogs, hikers, hunters. I mean, <laughs> like no, nobody would be safe, man. No, yeah. And they're like, oh my god, so big and so like quiet. They just sneak up anywhere, and yeah, they're pretty yeah. intense. Yeah, and they're, it's it's surreal, man. You know, because I mean, I think I've seen two or three of them uh, in the course of 18, 19 years of, of big game hunting in the West in different states. I mean, they're just. They're ghosts, man. They're apparitions. Um, so, like, anytime you see one, you know, when you're out spotting elk or, you know, chasing antelope round or whatever, it's, it's very surreal. And then when you see one up in a tree, you know, and you're <laughs> typically, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards away or sometimes feet away. Yeah. And, uh, dude, they just, the way they look at you, man, it's like that <laughs> apex predator. They, like, they look through your soul, man, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Uh, yeah, that's intense. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's definitely something that uh, I need to try out at least once because that'd be that'd be quite the experience. They were when I was out there and they were telling me about it. They're like, yeah, you could be walking around and there could be one like 50 yards from you, but you'd never know. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever you were talking to is giving you good advice. I mean, and that's just it. I mean, who knows how many lions you know that we've we've been around or have been around us or you know whatever and same deal you, you just you're clueless man that's how savvy and and stealthy they are it's like i wish i could hunt like a mountain lion man <laughs> trees would be way more full oh <laughs> uh, yeah there'd be a lot a lot of monster mule deer on the wall if i could hunt like that right right exactly <laughs> you know probably three or four more booners at least yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude. So yeah, so what's uh, what's like your full background story? Because we talked about it a little bit, but I want the listeners to really get a gist of what you came from. Oh yeah, uh, so yeah, I was born in Michigan, uh, Traverse City, which is the northern lower peninsula. Um, shoot, I was on on the water driving a boat by the time I was seven or eight years old, uh, trolling for salmon and stuff. Um, just was raised gear fishing, man, gear fishing and uh, chasing a lot of white-tailed deer around, turkeys, uh, stuff like that. Just good old Michigan Midwest roots. And then, uh, you know, I got to a point where uh, I was asked to first mate on a charter boat, so did that for a couple years, trying to figure out 
uh, you know, my, my course in life, what I wanted to do, because I knew it revolved around two things, you know, hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, this is like the, the mid to late 90s, you know. It's like back then, it's like, uh, you know, your parents are all skeptical. Like, I don't know, is that something that you're actually going to get by on, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you're trying to explain to your parents, you know, like, no, I got this, I got this. And, um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if I had it, but I just knew that that was pretty much uh, <laughs> what I was designed to do, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Call of the West won, and uh, I graduated in '99, and I was out in Montana in uh, 2000 in Bozeman. And uh, man, obviously the landscape changed, but um, the fly fishing thing was just shoved down my throat. It was in my face, you know. Of course, you're like. Forced to watch a river run through it. Great film. Love that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it became uh, you know, it's like a way of life. And I didn't, I didn't know how to fly fish. Coming from Michigan, I knew everything but how to fly fish. <laughs> so I got some weird looks on the Madison with my spin rod and sucking my maps and stuff. You know, <laughs> the term was around back then. But you know, I was, you know, essentially, I was just getting shamed. You know, getting all these looks from especially the old guys man yeah. with the cigars and stuff and they're looking at me like i'm some sort of hillbilly you know <laughs> and uh so i'm like all right i better you know i better learn <laughs> i better learn how to cast one of these fly rods because i'm getting sick of these dirty looks uh, you know yeah <laughs> so uh so yeah you know six eight months later um the fly rod was shoved in my hand and we floated uh Oh, the Yellowstone River over in Paradise Valley on uh, one of those Mother's Day caddis hatches that actually uh, um, went off as advertised. And I was hooked, man. I think that was 2000, 2001. Okay. And uh, yeah, then I became one of those uh, one of those guys that, that was shit. I was learning like, you know, the, the Latin names of the bugs and the hatches and the river systems and the tributaries and the mountain ranges. and Yeah. Because uh, that's kind of the way I am too, you know, it's like, once you get interested in something, I think you got to follow it, you know, as long as, as long as it's interesting. And I, I just really wanted to immerse myself in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led to, to Alaska, man, just through um, rubbing elbows with different guys and in the industry. And the next thing I know, now I'm in an even wilder state and the same deal. They're like, hey, man, you, you, like, you want to take people fishing? I was like, yeah, man. Like, is there a mustache in Mexico? Like, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and then then the opportunity just got crazier and crazier, you know, like I had a chance to go and explore um, two or three different rivers down on the peninsula and figure out if they were viable to uh, to put in a commercial sport fishing camp, and it turns out they were, and so the past four years of my life, I've been going up there every season and um, fishing, to, you know, it's a fly-in camp, fly-out camp, I mean, the only access is either by, a you know, a 206 on floats or a 185 on floats out of king salmon and uh we're the only four boats on the river and it's just you know just, it's just been a weird progression you know to get to that point it's been awesome yeah that sounds like an awesome trip yeah yeah so so you gotta fly everything into your camp yeah <laughs> That's... yeah it's uh it's a pretty wild deal up there man alaska is totally different you know it's like I love Montana and that's why I'm still here and it'll always have a huge place in my heart but and you gotta watch your P's and Q's in Montana but like Alaska flat out wants to kill you (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it. Like, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not on top of your game, like Alaska will take you out. Yeah. And of course, you know, you're, you're taking out some older gentlemen and, and uh, they don't know the rules, you know, as well as you do. So now you're really on your toes because it's trying to take them out too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's fun though. You know, it's, it's just a... It's just a wild, wild place when you can have four or five different runs of salmon and rainbows that are eating mice up top and all these dollies and char and grayling. And you kind of feel like uh, you're living in an era of, you know, back like uh, in outdoor life or field and stream, like in the 40s or 50s, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it feels like that's your life. And so I try to take every day and uh, never take it for granted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What's your favorite fish yeah. to catch up there? Oh, dude, the one, uh, the, the, the salmon that I love targeting the most are, uh, the kings on the swing, man. That's my, that's my true love. Cause we're fishing about, oh man, probably within a mile of the ocean. And so they're just nuclear hot. Oh, wow. Yeah. They just, um, <laughs> it's hard to explain, man. I get goosebumps. They're, they're just, they're just, they're so pissed, man. Like anytime you, you put a hook in one, um, you have no idea which way it's going to go. And most of the time it goes the fish's way. You know, yeah. you just see a bunch of, bunch of guys getting their ass kicked for 20 minutes. And then, you know, the fish comes off and it's just like, they like the air goes out of them like a balloon, man. It shoots across the room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they like, they take it so personally, you know, they're like, what happened? What did I do? For, you know, what did I do wrong? What, you know, what could I do different? I'm like, most of the time, you know, they fight a pretty clean fight, but the fish are just so big, so strong, so fresh that, you know, yeah. to catch, to catch one out of every two hooked is, is one hell of a day. That's really? pretty awesome. Dang. Yep. It's pretty intense then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the beauty of it is you have it all to yourself, which makes it even more, uh, more crazy because you're looking around and you're just fishing with bears and stuff, you know, and caribou and <laughs> really it's pretty, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, so how long are you up there in Alaska for fishing? Oh, I usually, well, you know, last year was bizarre and we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, typically, um, typically it's about 110, 120 day season up there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. It's pretty good length of time then. Yeah. You're, you're ready to come home by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for being honest, uh, and I love the fish, man. But yeah, after you know, usually day ninety, ninety five, you're like, all right, time to switch gear. You know, I'm ready to pick my bow up. I'm ready to chase the elk around. I'm ready. I'm ready for internet and electricity and, and a hot shower. You know. <laughs> yeah, see civil civilization a little bit and get back into it. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and I think last year, last season, we, we were lucky. We, we squeaked out about a 90 day season. So we were fortunate, man. We did a lot better than a lot of other guys. Uh, obviously, you know, depending on the situation and everything else, but yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird, man. When you get out of there and you hit, uh, you hit Ted Stevens, you know, you hit the Anchorage airport. You're just like, holy crap. Like there's so many people and everybody's glued to their phones and they're like, it's slammed back into reality. And you're like driving in your taxi, right? And then you're doing like 50 and you feel like you're going like 6,000 miles an hour. Cause like, the fastest you've moved in like, you know, three or four months. Oh, that's awesome. 
<laughs> Big tall baby, like, dude, slow down, man. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing 35. <laughs> uh, they just see you guys. You're in a 70, and you're going 30 miles an hour. You're like, all right, this is this is quick enough. <laughs> Right, yeah, and you're like, dude, you're grabbing on the old shit bars and stuff. You're like, seriously, man, you are hauling. You're going way too fast. But yeah, and then you, and then you get back, you know, back home, and all your friends are you kind of like, you kind of like Tom Hanks on Castaway, you know, you're like talking to Wilson the ball. And stuff. <laughs> They're looking at you, you know, like what happened up there, and you're like, don't worry about it. We'll talk. It's time to hunt elk, you know. <laughs> oh god that's awesome Uh, yeah i know that's too good so then you guys just grind right into elk once you get back home then yeah yeah usually i'll take uh oh shit i'll probably sleep for about a week i'll get unpacked and get all my gear put away and call my friends and family and let them know i'm alive and all that good stuff and yeah i'll just take seven days and just uh just decompress and then i mean that's just about the sweet spot for the elk rut so yeah get the bow out shoot the bow get everything all tuned up and then man you just go straight up into the high country with your cow calls and just try and try and start chasing some bulls around and you know drink some whiskey with your buddies around a campfire and yeah it just never really ends and which is awesome i think it's you know kind of by design <laughs> it's weird how that works sometimes <laughs> right right exactly i'm just lucky <laughs> yeah, exactly uh yeah i've heard i've heard countless stories about um the elk and the rut what what is that like from your experience i mean i've heard crazy things like it's super cool yeah it's uh man it's yeah it's just it's super addicting i mean the first bugle you hear um i think it sticks with you and uh, it starts to haunt you and um i remember you know i just became an addict to just ripping on the bugle tube i think like a progression a lot of people do you know because you're just yeah obviously like you're trying to go out there and put an arrow through one get it inside of 40 yards or 50 yards or whatever Mm. but you're really just addicted to that sound i think if everybody's being honest you know because you're like you have such a frail fragile relationship when you start yeah (laughs) you know it's kind of like texting a girl that you just met you know you're like hey what are you doing now like and then three minutes go by and you're like so uh like what's up now you know (laughs) you just you just want to hear them you don't know that they're still there yeah exactly and then uh yeah and then you realize like the girl stops texting you back because she thinks you're needy right and then same deal but all of a sudden you've like evacuated a mountain range because you're up there just ripping bugles out um yeah and then over the course of time you learn how to talk to them you realize like for me i just kind of put the bugle tube down and i just kind of start to sound like you know just a hot piece of ass up on the mountain yeah and uh keying on the the matriarch you know you keying on the on the lead cow and then once you talk to her and get her hooked then uh then then your opportunities those bigger bulls uh start to start to go through the roof but um yeah it would be a sad day to miss uh september october uh up in the high country and and listen to those out go man it's just uh if if you haven't tried it or anybody hasn't tried it like just give it a shot man because it'll uh yeah you'll get hooked real easy yep yeah because i uh i get my 
bull elk tag and then my bull or buck mule beer mule deer tag for Wyoming in like I don't know probably a year or two with my preference points I'm trying to decide on if I want to bow hunt them or if I want to rifle hunt them so boy that's a tough one that's a really tough one yeah so I'm like if it were me I would probably I would probably start with a rifle yeah and it pains me to say that it really does (laughs) but I'll probably start with a rifle yeah, because, I mean, you can shoot a rifle a lot farther than a bow, so it's like you have a better chance of shooting one. But at the same time, you're not hunting that rut. And so, I don't know. It's tough. Checks and balances, amigo. Checks and balances. <laughs> I don't envy your position, buddy. Not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so how... When you're shooting your bow, what's, like, your average range you're practicing at? I just kind of want to get a feel of it. Oh, man. I'm kind of old school. Um, I've never killed an elk over 40 yards with a bow and arrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've killed them at uh, anywhere from 9 feet. I usually get them about, (laughs) I don't know, probably 25, 30 yards. Jeez. So you're getting nice nice and tight. Yeah, I like that range, you know. There's a, it's a, it's, I don't know, it's just like, you're usually just screaming, and I'm uncorked, you know, and just trying to keep my, keep my shit together, and, um, <laughs> and I know that a lot of guys, and I can shoot further, and I practice further, but, yeah, man, you know, there's just, they're just, there's a big, powerful, powerful animal, and, uh, yeah, you know, there's just a lot of variables, but, you know, I, I draw the line at 40 yards, and I know I'm probably going to get laughed at for that, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, I think the whole entire idea of bow hunting is to get an animal close anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I like to, I, as I progress, I like to see how close I can get them, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's more of a, a challenge, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen a couple of my buddies drill them at 50, 60 yards, 62 yards, and you know, clean ethical shots. But that's for them. That's not for me. Yeah, and I exactly. think that's up to that's up to the person and the skill set and the um, the experience. You know, I mean, yeah. what do you think about it? how far would you shoot one? Yeah, I mean, with me never elk hunting before, and so I'd probably be, I'd probably want to shoot them pretty close too. I mean, I can shoot farther, like. For deer hunting, I practice shooting my bow up to 50, but, like, I'm never going to shoot 50 yards if I don't have to. Like, I've farthest I've shot is, like, 30 yards for a deer, whitetail. But then for an elk, I feel like I'd want it close like that, too. I mean, I don't want to be shooting at 60 yards, but, I mean, definitely would practice enough just in case that happened. But, I mean, if you're, like you said, if you're bow hunting, you want them close. Yeah, yeah. I've lost, I've lost one bull, and he was a big one. Shit, it was probably like a three forty bull, big six by seven. Jeez. And it was a, it was a marginal angle, and it was a marginal shot, but it was probably my fifth or, uh, it was my fifth or sixth year bow hunting. And uh, luckily, knock on wood, which I'll do right now, <laughs> is uh, the only, the only elk I've lost with my bow, and he was right at, was forty two yards, but it was a real tight uphill angle. And uh, I misjudged. I misjudged the gravity, and it floated on me and took him high. And, oh, dang. Uh, tracked him for two days, man, and uh, never turned him up. 
And wow. uh, I just remember that feeling. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. You know, if I'm if I'm not 100 percent perfect, you know, confidence and everything else, um, I'm just not going to I'm just not going to fling one out there. So, yeah, because boy, does that feeling suck, man? It's like that's one of the suckiest feelings, you know, I think a person or a hunter for sure can go through. You know, I think we've all been there. But yeah. Oh, I I'm with you on that. I I had a mess up like that, too, on a white tail. I was like, yeah. It was probably, I don't know, uh, probably like 35 yards. But this was like right when I started bow hunting. And I mean, I just shot her, shot her a little back. And I mean, I tracked her for like two miles and still couldn't find her, like through the city. Because I mean, where I bow hunt, it's like right in the middle of the city. So I'm like running around trying to figure out where this deer's at, like walking through suburbs and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never Oof. doing this again. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, man. Especially like, you know, could you imagine like a family's driving to dinner or something and see a deer go flying across the road with an arrow in it? You know, yeah. it's just bad news, man. Oh, exactly. So I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to shoot one, I want to make sure I'm dialed in and I know like I can hit that shot. But, Good man. Good man. Yeah. I mean, we had... <laughs> my buddy and I we were uh turkey with our bows and <clears throat> my like this is one of my best friends right and I'm like yeah like I got a bunch of turkeys out in the back as long as like you're practice like you're good to go like we'll go shoot one he's like yeah perfect perfect I'm like dialed in I'm like all right awesome let's go rip one then he's like perfect so we go out there and it's like eight o'clock and they come out and these like probably about 10 hens four jakes and four toms and tom comes like 10 yards and he shoots our blind and shoots it straight into the wood oh no (laughs) and uh i'm like dude no way like no way this is happening so he shoots it right into the wood and then knocks the wood off the blind because it's so much power like the thing was nailed in and he just takes it right off i'm like oh my god like our hunt's probably over and these turkeys come back around and they're still hanging in the field or whatever i'm like all right sweet like we'll give them another go because they're gonna want to walk up the hill and go to where they usually feed and so we call them back in and we call them into like i don't know 15 yards again and shoots it low and i'm like dude did you practice like did you actually shoot it He's like, dude, I swear, like, oh, my God, like, this is this is the first time this has ever happened. I'm like, all right, whatever, man, like, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, these hens are still in front of us. And, like, he's like, well, dude, I only have two arrows, and one's out in the field and one's in the wood. I'm like, well, pull that some bitch out of the wood, <laughs> reload up again, because <laughs> they're going to have to come back again because the hens are still here. And... But if you miss this third time, I'm out. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, they come back in, dude. It's like 12 yards. And he shoots low again. I'm like, all right, I'm picking up. We're out. Like, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, he was so mad. And the best part about it was, like, from my parents' house, you can literally, you look over the entire field. And so my grandpa's up there. Both my parents would come up. And they were just giving him shit left and right for missing these turkeys. <laughs> like 10 yards. He's like, well, I didn't know. I'm like, dude, 
It's all right, man. <laughs> just, just shoot your bow next time or just either stick to shotgun for turkeys. Right. Uh, That's awesome, man. What a show. What a show. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, should I have these turkeys dialed in? Because, I mean, I watch them every day. So I'm like, yeah, dude, we're going to. I can get you on one. I just can't shoot it for you. And then that was sure enough the case. <laughs> Uh, but yeah no, it was, I love it it was pretty fun it was pretty uh, pretty fun to be able to give him shit for that absolutely man that's part of the game isn't it oh exactly <laughs> and the best was when he shot the board dude I was literally like pissing my pants laughing and I'm trying not to like laugh because the turkeys are out there but I'm just sitting back dying laughing <laughs> it was oh, it was too good yeah i met this uh so it's kind of along that vein so i met this guy in college um and uh i'll I'll leave his name out of it but he's like oh yeah man he's like you know i know you're big into hunting he's kind of like friends of a friend you know and yeah he's like oh man i really want a big mule there you know do you want to go out and chase a mule or can i come out and hell with you and i was like yeah man the guy seemed nice enough like drink a couple beers with a guy you know whatever he seemed normal so they started squirreling off. He's like, well, I'm shooting this, you know, seven millimeter STW, which is back when the STWs came out. He's like, I'm big into hand loading, like handling all my stuff. And I was like, dude, you sound serious, man. I'm just shooting like a 30 out of six game master pump with like 165 Corlocks out of it. You know, I'm like, damn, this guy seems intense. Yeah. He must really know what he's doing. So I, I wrangled my cousin into the hunt too. I was like, because he had a deer tag. I was like, hey, you want to go out and you know try and put a deer in the freezer? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, all right. So like the three amigos, here we go. We go out to this place, kind of along the Masson River, Lower Masson, some state land, and we bomb out of there and we hike back in like two or three miles. And sure enough, like find this really, really nice four point, probably like twenty inches wide. Yeah. Good brows, and he just popped up like sixty yards away, and I was like, holy shit. He's like, all right. I'm like, there you go. Here's your buck. Shoot him. And the deer's standing there, and he's kind of rutted up, kind of on the girl juice. He was, you know, slow. And I was like, this is a chip shot. So the guy we won't mention pulls off a 7-millimeter STW and just pipes one off freehand, right? He's got a muzzle brake on it. Blows our ears out. Just kaboom. And I'm expecting the deer to fall down. The deer doesn't move, man. It does, like, this little bunny hop. Takes, like, four or five steps and stops. And I was like like heat i'm like dude, you missed that thing it's like 50 yards now it's like closer i'm like hit it again boom he like shoots again at least this time i have my ears covered same deal like i see the bullet go like a good 16 inches over this deer's back i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no like the moment you have your buddy you're like this isn't gonna end well yeah. at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> like he jacks the second shell out. He's looking down at his rifle and he's like, "This thing must be broken." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, "Trust me, it has nothing to do with the rifle, man. It's going off just fine. We've established that." <laughs> so I end up picking my 30 six up and shooting this deer, you know, 50 yards. Peel him over, like lights out. It's yeah. done. And. uh so we're breaking this deer down and we start packing the thing out and all of a sudden we run across this porcupine it's getting dark on the hike out mm-hmm. 
man, this guy goes ballistic on this porcupine with a tree branch, man. He's like, took all of his anger out on this porcupine with a tree branch. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was savage, man. Like I'm sitting there. I was like, whoa, buddy. I was like, hey, hey, hey. like I get it. They kill trees. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, you're going like, you're going AWOL on this thing, man, with a branch. And so... Needless to say, that was the last time we ever hunted together. That was like, <laughs> I just got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, I got to drink. Uh, got to drink a few more beers to really get to know him. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I feel like if you have a guy that you don't know, it's like, hey man, I shoot a seven millimeter SPW in a hand load. Like you've been warned. <laughs> You may think they're the real deal, but think again. <laughs> if there's one thing you take away from this, it's that. <laughs> oh, God, that's too good. Oh, God. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> if you uh, if you handload shells, that's the, that's the real deal. That's how you know. Right. I'm like, right. That's the... That's a game changer right there. Yeah, definitely. Especially the technology now, man. Oh. Well, like now my dad just reached out to me the other day. He's like, hey, did you hear about this new 6.8? Have you heard about the 6.8? I haven't. No. What's it What's it about? Yeah. I don't oh, know. Wait. I guess it's as good as mine. The Winchester ones? Yeah. Apparently it's like the new 270 WSM on steroids or something. He sent me a bunch of stuff on it and I haven't had a chance to check it out. But he's like... I have a creed more, and I hate to say that out loud, but I do have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So now people are like, oh, no. <laughs> Just lost all credibility. <laughs> but I do have one. I shoot it proudly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just stand proud with it. I also have a 300 win Mac that I shoot a little more proudly. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like a lot of hype around the 6.8. I got to get into it. Check it out. Yeah, I saw I saw they posted it or something on, I don't know if I saw it on Instagram or whatever it was, but I don't really read too much into it. Like, what's the what's the kind of game changer about it? Have you heard anything? I don't know, man. I just know that those, you know, 6.5s, that whole, whole thing is getting, uh, obviously it's been popular for like 8 or 10 years now. Yeah. But, uh... Supposedly, this thing's, you know, it's like the same old thing, flatter, faster, harder hitting. I'm sure I'll have one in three or four years, you know, that kind of a deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I hope you would, like, another gun isn't going to hurt. I know, right? I know. Shoot, I just picked up a 17 HMR. I'm looking forward to getting that one out. It's a nice little truck gun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I just picked up a... So, uh, yeah, no, keep going. So, so the real question is: So, are you gonna are you gonna be burning your points to come out to Montana uh, this year? I got uh So they're for Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. So I I don't know. I got to see uh, what I want to do for that, and if I want to, because I mean, shit, dude. I got like, I mean, I got probably ten points for each. So I mean, I can use them. I can use them up. So I just got to decide on when I want to go. If it's this year or next year. 
So, mm. yeah. And I mean, that'd be that'd be a pretty uh, pretty epic trip. I just got to figure out how many days like I can make it out there for with school, and then all that kind of jazz. Oof, tough call. Yeah. Tough call. I go this year. I cash them in and go this year. Life yeah. short, man. Life <laughs> short. Oh, I hear you on that, dude. I hear you. I gotta, I gotta figure out um, what area I'd like to go to too. I haven't really decided. Have you ever hunted Wyoming? Yeah, yeah, I sure have. Handful of times. Wyoming's pretty good, man. It's yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I gotta figure out the. If I want to try, like, what would you recommend? Like going, trying public and just trying to rip it. You think that'd be a good call, or do you think you'd try to get someone to, like, I'm trying to see if I want to try to get a guide for it, or if I'd want to just go get like I don't know, a couple guys and just go out there and just chase public around. Oof, tough one. Um, that's a tough one. I would I would say both obviously have their advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Um, I would I would lean towards the idea of going with your buddies as long as one or two of your buddies have previous knowledge of the area. Because mm. um, yeah. that can make all the difference in the world. Because I mean, think about it. Like, you don't. I mean, you don't have a lot of things going for you. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> I mean, you know. I don't. I don't know how else to say it. Because I mean, you know, those elk have been in there. Um, obviously for a long 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 time Mm -hmm. but the real the real issue is is you know elk are elk until they start to figure out that they're getting hunted you know like when that first shot goes off on opening morning take everything you know about elk and throw it out the window (laughs) okay you know now now it's like lace your nikes up or adidas or whatever and just try to start running after them i mean it's and you'll never catch them yeah Um, so yeah, that's a tough one, but you know, but then you spend spend the money on the guide, which is basically that's what you're buying is that experience, right? Yeah. Um same deal, you know, it's like you don't know if you're hiring a good outfitter guide or, yeah. or anything else. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that that deal can go sideways on you too. I guess I would just really ask yourself deep down, like the number one question is whichever you choose is like, are you gonna be happy going home? empty-handed yeah not necessarily happy but are you gonna be okay with it yeah exactly that's like you know how i gotta look at it because i mean i could i fuck i could go empty-handed go home empty-handed either way it's just whatever one's gonna be more fun exactly man that's that's it that's 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 the whole deal in a nutshell yeah yeah, and if you got a group of boys, you know that you know this is all going to be your first time elk hunting together. Like that's going to be something that you'll have for the rest of your lives, man. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. Um, you can't put a value on that, you know. Yeah, you could write a thirteen thousand dollar check or an eight thousand dollar check or whatever, and go home with the six by six, and you'd be stoked on it, and um, you'd make some new friendships, and you know you'd have some new camaraderie come out of the deal for sure. Um, but man, if it was me. I'd take that hunt on with my boys. That's, yeah. That would that'd be my choice. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling the same way about that because I mean, go drink some whiskey by the fire, hopefully shoot an elk. Like, yeah. Yep. Doesn't sound like yeah. a bad gig. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's what that's what the the West is all about, really. You know, just that that high mountain landscape and listen to those elk and you know, I guess I, I guess it really depends on how much you travel. But the more you travel, the more you realize like the value of it and the landscape of it and the shape of the trip is formed by the people, man. Everything else yeah. is just it's just cake, you know. It's just extra cakes, like extra dessert. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like we were out in. Uh, Ennis um, this summer fly fishing me and my boys uh, we took like how many guys we had five guys out there and uh, god dude that was fun it was just like like you said dude just hanging out with your buddies and just going like we fly fished a bunch didn't catch anything huge but I was like I'm not mad about it at all like we had a blast what was your what was your favorite part of Ennis? But so that was that your first trip out here then? It was actually my second. My first trip out there, uh, me and my grandpa made a road trip just us two. And went and fly fished out in Ennis for a few days. I'm like, guys, you gotta you gotta come out here. Like it's unbelievable. Killer. Yeah. So what, what do you what do you what do you love the most about Ennis, man, that Madison Valley? I'm I'm interested to hear this. Dude, I just uh, we would camp down, it was like Valley Garden or something was the campsite, I think. And I just loved every minute of it, dude. Like, there's not, I mean, there's people, but like, there's not a ton of people out there. And then the mountains and like everything you can go do. I mean, we hiked up there, went up trout fished in the mountains, fly fished along the river. I mean, God, dude, I don't know. It was just it's such a great place. I don't even know if like I can dial it down to just one thing. I know. It's, it's, it's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> uh, but I think, dude, I think I definitely, uh, definitely try to go live out in Bozeman. Cause that out in Montana, it's just unbelievable, dude. I love Montana. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. After, uh, I guess 20, 21 years, you know, I try and I promised myself I'd move out of here the day that I woke up and I didn't appreciate looking at the Bridgers or looking at the, the uh, tobacco roots or the crazies or, you know, the list goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. um, and here I am 20, 20, 21 years later, and I'm still here. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm in your boat because I like uh, the two trips that I've made out there. There hasn't been a bad day like I, I just love it so much out there. And I mean, the environment and all the outdoor, like, shit you can do out there is yeah. just, yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, like, because we, when I went up to, even when I went up to Winifred to go work on my buddy's ranch, like, it's just the same deal. I just love Montana. Like, fuck, dude. It's, it's a blast. Like, we... We went up there, so we went up there in June. I, June, I want to say, yeah. Went up there for a week and went and helped a buddy on his ranch. Um, but, like, he didn't pay me just for, like, he said, yeah, I'll, like, get your food. You can ride out there with us, whatever. And then if you work out here twice, you can come hunt mule deer out here. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I, <laughs> yep. I'm like, dude, you don't have to ask twice. Like, going to Montana is a vacation. Even if I'm working, dude, like, it's it's a vacation. <laughs> and I, yeah, dude, I love to just 
even though I was grinding away, building fence all day and doing a bunch of random shit like that, I still like probably one of my favorite trips. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. And it's, that's, that's another part of Montana too, you know, is if you're willing to put a little sweat equity in and, and, and work your ass off, it, you'd be amazed at, uh, at the opportunities and the doors that open up for you, which is something I still really enjoy, enjoy about the state, you know? Oh, exactly. And dude, like when we were up there, we went and looked up, like we'd go hike through the mountains and go like search for big horns and fuck dude we like we i spotted one up on the ridge and then we went up there and dude there was like fucking we got up to uh, like 30 yards 25 yards of just eight monster rams and they just look at you they did no care in the world and they just walk off just because nobody sees them they don't see anyone else pretty and, wild isn't it yeah like i was like dude this is this is it this is it right here uh, but yeah no it was a blast like it was it was a lot of fun and then I met up with uh, I had damsel fly fishing um, Karen for an episode and then I met up with her when I was out there so it was pretty cool to meet her and then uh, talk some fly fishing they helped me out with some spots out there too which was fun and I appreciate that and then yeah it was good it was a lot of fun I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm glad to hear that. Care is pretty awesome. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, NS is such a cool little deal. And I mean, that's, you know, that's the crazy part about this state. And, and even just this little corner of Southwest, I mean, shit, you could have five lifetimes and you'd never, you'd never scratch the surface. Yeah. It's humbling, right? Did you feel that way? We were like, man, I could, I, if I had like a good two, three hundred, four hundred years of just going hard, like I still wouldn't see it all. Oh, exactly, dude. Like, we were out, um, we were out, when we were on my buddy's ranch, like, we were talking, because they have, like, a 50,000-acre ranch. And he's like, dude, you go an entire lifetime, and you'll never see this entire thing. And, like, it humbles you quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it does. Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, you think about it, you're like, holy shit, that's a lot of land. But then once you really get out there, and you're like fuck dude there's like fucking you could follow this road for 30 miles and it's still the same ranch I'm like, right. <laughs> like pretty insane to see yeah yep. yep very few places like that left we're lucky that montana we're one of them no doubt about it oh there's no question yeah yeah and i mean you'd like you're saying dude elk hunting mule deer hunting if you get lucky enough go hunt a bighorn ram or something like that um and just stuff yeah it's just so cool because what are the tags out there for elk hunting like how hard is it to get if you're a resident do you get one every year yeah it's uh well for general yeah it's it's uh otc it's over the counter for us so i think for a whopping 26 bucks or something as a resident we get to we get to chase elk around every year yeah yes you do like that's badass for me, I got to put in for preference points and do all that bullshit. But if I just lived out there and fucking go do $26 and I'm out in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Same deal. Try not to take that for granted. Well, I mean, it was like yesterday, man. I was kind of getting cabin crazy. So I just grabbed my, here we go again. I grabbed my trusty Creed more <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting on a pair of wolf tags. Cause if you're going to buy one wolf tag, buy two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, you know, I just cruise over to the Madison Valley and, and poked around and look at those out there coming down and on the migration, found a couple wolves behind them and, you know, just come back after after dark and you're just like, wow, I saw, you know, probably two, 3,000 head elk and I saw five wolves and you're just like, oh, well, that, was, that was a pretty cool day in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's that's something people don't see like every day that's like i mean you have people all over the country that will never see that ever in their life yeah exactly exactly and that's why i just same deal you know like i just got engaged and so i come in the door and congratulations yeah thanks buddy thank you and insane deal i just i'm just always you know got a shitty grin on my face and Fiona's her name she's like what happened out there and I told her I'm like this is crazy that's that was just like a you know like a Monday yeah oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah dude that's that's it right there then like fuck that yeah that's awesome it's Montana's just a different world like yes it is man yes it is yeah and you should uh you should maybe take a look at picking up a wolf tag and maybe, you know, mosey on out here and see what we can dig up together. That'd be a lot of fun. Dude, that'd be a blast. <laughs> that'd be an absolute blast. Like, how, how much are wolf tags for a uh, non-resident? Or can you Ooh, get I'm them? not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Probably 50 bucks. Don't quote me on it. I'm not sure. That, dude, that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's, it isn't. And it's crazy, man, when you see them. Cause that's the funny part, you know. People are like, oh, I think I saw a wolf, and you're like, you didn't see a wolf. <laughs> You'd know. <laughs> and if they're you like, saw no, wolf. but it, yeah, like, but it was gray, and you're like, you didn't know you didn't see a wolf. That was that wasn't a wolf. <laughs> and they're like, wow, you're kind of mean. And you're like, trust me, when you see a wolf, uh, you you know it's a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Have you shot a wolf out of Montana? Yeah, I got a couple out of Montana and um, one or two out of Alaska. Oh know? wow. That's sweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, one was. Yeah. Keep going. Well, one was at uh, 32 yards. That was a pretty wild deal. That was about as close as I ever cared. Uh, oh, my God. Getting the one, it was just lucky. Not like I felt threatened, but you're like, holy crap, man. Like, that's a big dog. It's really close. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you like, how do you hunt wolves out there? Because, like, when we hunt cows, we just run a call and kind of go from there. Is What's the. How do you guys do that? Um, very, very similarly. It's crazy, man. Actually, like the best success I've had is just is just exactly treating them like you're um, you're hunting for coyotes, rabbit squealers. Really? Um, especially like you know, sounding like a little pack of coyotes that are cruising through because they're so territorial. That usually trips uh, the trigger. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and it's cool when they come to the coyotes because they're like. It's like your your squad, you know, like 11 p.m. at the bars looking for trouble, you know, like they, they come in like all flexed up and all puffed up and you're like, ooh, here we go. Just what you were looking for. Right, right. You're like, all right, here comes the fight, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. Like, to be able to just go do that out, that would be uh, definitely something I could see myself doing. Like... Cause yeah, I mean, even even out here, dude. Like in Minnesota, like it's fun to uh, like chase waterfall and stuff. Like I love chasing waterfall. Like that's that's my shit. But to go like hunt big game like that, 
I feel like that's just that'd be the that'd be the way to do it. Absolutely, man. And and again, not sound like a broken record, but do it while you're young. The younger, the better. Yeah. Because man, you know, shoot, twenty years in, um, the mountains get a little bit taller, the elk get a little bit heavier, <laughs> start to drink a little bit more, um, kind of harder to get out of bed in the morning, like yeah. all those things, you know. When you're in your twenties and your thirties, I mean, you're chomping at the bit and you're focused. Not that I'm not, but it's just different, you know. You kind of got that. Uh, well, you got your youth, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I've got a hunting buddy who I took under my wing and. I mentored him and taught him how to elk hunt and everything else, and he's nine or ten years younger than I am. Okay. And now, man, I have to give myself like a motivational speech in the mirror before I go and hunt with him. <laughs> like the guy's all gas, man. It's like, Ty, slow down, buddy. <laughs> he's just trekking up the mountains. Just yeah, yeah, and then, of course. You know, he's about 145, 150 pounds soaking wet. He can't carry a, a, anything but an elk quarter, which I figured out is why we're still hunting buddies. Because <laughs> I may be a, a fat Polak, but man, I can I can carry, I'm like a pack mule. <laughs> so I'm always the first call on the list, but. Oh, that's awesome. Get after it when you're young, man. That's, that's the best piece of advice I can give. Just get after it. Yeah. Because how far, how far away from your house do you guys hunt elk? Oh, shoot. Um, probably 60, 70 miles. Oh, shit. That's not bad at all, then. No. You don't have to go too far. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, no, elk hunting, I'd like to, like to try to do more of that. What are the um, non-resident tags like for elk hunting out there? Would you know? Expensive. Yeah, I was going to say, they got to be... <laughs> Because they, they don't do preference points in Montana. Or, like, they don't uh, they matter. Do, they do, and there's there's special draw units um, that you want to definitely get your name in the hat for. Okay. Um, but, yeah, on a general, no, you just, you know, check the general box and um, away you go. But, yeah, I mean, Montana's definitely one of those western states that's real proud of uh you know, taking care of their own, which works out great for me, and, yeah. and charging the daylights out on non-res, which works out bad for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's like three hundred and thirty, three hundred and fifty bucks, something like that. Oh god, okay. yeah, that's still a pretty penny. Not like yeah, yeah, yeah it's not like ter- not terrible. <laughs> if you're gonna go hunt elk, you're gonna spend money either way. So I mean, like if you're gonna go out there, might as well do it is the way I look at it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, the reality of it is it's never going to get any cheaper either. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I might as well just mow some lawns or save some money up or do you know, whatever you got to do and get that application in and go out and hunt some elk. Oh, exactly. Yeah, dude. I mean, I hear you on that it doesn't get any cheaper, dude. Our um, whitetail tags go up like I mean, it's not like bad, but it goes up like eight bucks every year for a um, rifle tag. I feel like, and so, yeah. I mean, it's it's always getting more expensive. Yeah, I remember. I remember the sad day a few years back when an elk tag went over uh, the nineteen dollar mark. You know, a couple <laughs> buddies were like, "Geez, can you believe this? The charge is like twenty bucks plus now." And I'm like, "You guys, come on, man." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's no. like two pitchers of beer at the bar. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, it's like that's not that's not terrible at all. I mean, shit, dude, it's fucking like thirty bucks, thirty-five bucks to shoot a whitetail out here for rifle and yeah. bow. Like, yeah. So you guys, you guys are living it up with that twenty-six dollar mark. Yeah, man, I'll I'll I'll, I'll roll out that I'll roll out that thirty bucks, man, every year. <laughs> exactly. Like, not even a question. Just take my money. Right, right, right. But I wanted to uh, ask you about the um, Traverse Unlimited. What's that all about? Oh, that's a that's a, a business that Phil and I started oh three years ago. Um, it's a booking agency, consulting agency. Okay. Um, so over the course of the past ten or I guess eleven, twelve years, something over long it's been um, of traveling, basically from Mexico, British Columbia, and all the Western states. Uh, I think I have like forty or forty-one trips to Alaska under my belt. Mm. Um, we've had the opportunity to meet some really, really great outfitters and do some really cool stuff along the way. Yeah. And so the light bulb kind of went off and I was like, Hey, you know, like we've been fortunate enough to go on these, everything from brown bear hunts to desert sheep hunts and black bear hunts, elk deer, everything in between. Um, we should probably share this. Yeah. And so that was the idea behind, uh, Traverse Unlimited. And so, it's a real small company. We don't want to have it be this huge, huge booking agency. Um, pretty much all of our clients, um, you know, are are people that we fished with previously or hunted with previously, and and then uh, they invite their friends along. Okay. And so they call us up and they're like, "Hey, you know, we'd like to go do a peninsula brown bear hunt. Who should I hunt with?" And I'm like, "Well, you're in luck. This is the guy." Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just this fun little business that we get to play along with and and travel with, and a lot of these guys um, are our friends, you know. So it's just kind of like your your potential elk trip in uh, Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, it's like shoot, like, yeah, let's go up to British Columbia and hunt some bears, or yeah, let's go to Alberta and and uh, chase around a mule deer or a whitetail, and and uh, just kind of like a really family family knit kind of family designed um, booking agency, really. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. It's it's pretty rewarding, you know. And uh, you get the call back from you know one of our friends. They're like, and then they're sending you photos and stuff of, of their uh, fishing trip or their adventure, or their hunting trip. And they're like, man, that was so beyond what my expectations were. You know, like that was crazy. And you're like, cool, job well done. Yeah. You know, pour a little whiskey, cheers them over the phone or FaceTime or whatever, and be like. All right, let's do it again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, did you get the Travers from Traverse City? Yeah, that was a, that was a big time, man. You don't miss much. That was a big time throwback <laughs> to my roots and and uh, where I came from. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I I love Traverse City, dude. I go I go out there every summer and uh, it's such a great spot. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Such a great spot because we. Uh, so my dad grew up in Michigan and then uh, joined Kingsley Golf Club out there like, I don't oh, know, all right. like 16 years ago, I think. 
And so we nice. go out, we go out there and golf every summer. And God, I love it out there. I mean, yeah, I got so, so lucky to to uh, to be born and raised there, man. Leelanau Peninsula and and just. Uh, just all of it the salmon fishing Leland you know Frankfurt uh, Traverse City I mean all of it you're just like mm-hmm. I had no I just thought the rest of the world had a you know a freshwater ocean five minutes away you know <laughs> oh yeah dude yeah. exactly exactly go go over to the casino and play a little uh, dice rolling while I'm over there too cause can't do that in Minnesota right yeah that's what I heard <laughs> <laughs> Another luxury of going out to Traverse City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, man, it's it's come a long ways. I try to get back there, oh, about once a year. And, uh, man, it's changed so much from uh, from how I remember it. But it's come a long ways, man. You got all these little cool little brew pubs and yeah. bars. And it's like food's really, really good now. And you're like, man, like Traverse City's like, it's kind of a big deal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's popping. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's fun to get out there and uh, go mess around for a little bit. That's for sure. Yeah, well, it makes me happy that you've been there, man. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff to do there too. Oh, exactly. But yeah, no. How did? Because uh, I know when we went there, the whole COVID deal and everything. But how was? How did COVID um, affect you guys up in Alaska? Oh, that's, man, that's a really good question. So the long and the short of how we dealt with COVID was, it was tough, first of all, because the Alaska Department of Fish and Game couldn't make up their minds as far as the travel restrictions, right? Yeah. They're like, well, you can come, no, you can't come. Well, you can come, but you have to have a PCR test, and then the PCR test has to be within 10 days. And So long story told longer, um, we lost about... I don't know, probably 35% of our bookings that just got pushed back to this year. Oh, wow. Um, which isn't the best. Yeah. But there was a lot of outfits up there that just didn't even open their doors, man. They just shut the whole thing down. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so that was that was pretty tough. I mean, that, that Alaska fishing, sport fishing industry is hurting. So, you know, if anybody wants to go up there and, and do a trip, you can probably get a pretty good deal on it. And uh, I would highly recommend supporting some of those guys because they they sure could use it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But we we lived through. You know, we we made her. We got a good 90, 95 day season in, and uh, yeah, no complaints. You know, it's, it it really just kind of grounded you and humbled you because it took you back to realizing like, hey, you know, like you're not entitled to to a season up here. So it made you appreciate it more. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like you guys up there or canada with the um waterfall season can't even go into canada and hunt and all that kind of kind of stuff i mean it really put a hurting on people yeah it it definitely did well now what you're running into is now you've got a backlog of people you know that they got pushed back um so yeah everybody's trying to figure out the best way of you know how to how to address that situation with the rollover and then the current bookings and Alaska opened up a spring and a fall uh, bear season. So they're trying to, you know, kind of give a mulligan to last year in those outfitters, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Cause what is, is it usually just uh spring season up there for Alaska for bears or fall? 
So the way that Alaska structures it is on the even years it's spring and in the odd years it's fall for the um, for the brown bears. Huh. Do you know why they do that? Um, a lot of it is just to to manage the resource and the population correctly. So if you think about it, you know, if you give the bears a spring off, it gives them a chance to have their cubs and, and you know, not get hunted right out of the den and, and all that stuff. And, and then chase them in the fall when they're on the berries and the fish. And it's just a, a, a way that the Alaska Department of Fish and Game has come up with to to make it fair to the animals and then, you know, fair to the resource and fair to the outfitters and, and still be able to bring that income um, into the state. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing then. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they're, they're a crazy animal, man. That's a, that's another crazy one. Have you had the chance to go out there and hunt them? I've never personally um, hunted a brown bear. I've been on, I think, 16 or 17 brown bear hunts. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's funny, man. The brown bears have an interesting reputation. You know, everybody thinks it's like this, this like rip your face off, you know, you're on the verge of death hunt and like nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> it's oh. like, it's like, uh, it's kind of like watching paint dry for like nine and a half days out of 10. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, in the last two hours or whatever, it just turns into like sheer terror and excitement, and that's I think where it gets its reputation. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you're thinking about a brown bear, man, like, oof, bring a lot of books, bring <laughs> some board games. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, it's tedious, man. Like, if you think hunting for uh, coos deer and and as far as like the glassing time or a big mule deer, like it's it's a tedious deal and then all of a sudden like holy crap like there's the bear and then here's your play and here's your action and then boom and they usually either fold with like one shot or it takes like 11 and they're charging at you and that's like that's brown bear hunting Jeez. oh that's intense then. it's weird yeah okay have you ever uh had anyone chase them with a bow out there um, the majority of the outfitters that I work with, they, uh, they don't, they, they frown heavily on archery hunting them. Um, oh, really? Lance Kronberger, he'll, he'll take you out there, um, with a bow, but usually they're going to try and push you towards some long lines, like a 375 or a 338 as far yeah. as a weapon of choice. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah. I mean, and yeah. For good reason. Oh, exactly. I mean, if you're going to shoot a bear at 40 yards with a bow like i feel like i've seen some videos of like dudes shooting them with a bow and then they run up and charge at them and then you gotta shoot them with the rifle really quick before they maul your face off yeah yeah you wouldn't catch me doing it i think i've gone through i've gone through four or five bear charges and um there isn't a single one of them that i want to tell my mom about they're just not fun yeah oh i yeah that'd be a scary sight to see for sure like yeah it's, it's crazy how fast they are you know and i know that sound everybody knows that but until you're in that situation it's just it's unbelievable how fast they really are it's insane yeah do they charge you like what was the kind of reason behind them charging you was there like they just see you and they come at you or what was the deal no, no, very rarely. The weirdest one that 
I went through was up in uh, the Casier Mountains up in British Columbia, and we were doing a filming a stone sheep episode up there for the Outdoor Channel. Oh. And um, we had this GPS located for a food drop, and we were all just dragging ass because we hadn't eaten in like two or three days. We were starving. Yeah. And so it's on film. I can show you the clip. So we dropped the food, and uh, the host of the show and myself go trucking down there, and this little um submature you know sub adult decided he smelled all the cookies and the, <laughs> the baby and the chocolates and the mountain house and whatever was in the burlap sack that got chucked out of the plane yeah and uh he came flying in on us and uh that one was the weirdest one because we got caught with our pants down because we didn't have any firearms or anything like that because we were in such a stupor um, but he came flying into, you know, probably, I don't know, 10, 12 feet and we just got our jackets out and just started yelling at him and just took the offensive. And he circled around at us until he caught our wind and who knows what he smelled after 11 days of not showering and sleeping in tents. But <laughs> whatever he smelled freaked him out worse than we did. And so he hit the burners and got out of there. Um, but no, generally speaking, it's because they've been shot. You know, they're... okay. They're pretty much in a self-preservation mode. Those big boars, you know, I mean, oof. They're used to being the biggest, baddest guy in the tundra or wherever. And so they're like, what, you know, put a bullet through me, you know, I'm going to try and tear your face off. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, who was that that had his face, like, tornly, torn completely off on Instagram from, uh, did you ever see that? God yeah, is. wasn't he, he the guy that um oh he, he's he founded uh, the pepper spray the bear spray the UDAP yeah it was uh it was like BBB Alaska um those guys or something and I just remember huh. seeing I mean his face just completely torn off yeah it's terrifying man what those animals are, are capable of is terrifying like when I'm fish guiding you know you'll see them just get into little brawls you know it's kind of like little little spats and you're like oh my gosh man like that takes somebody's head off and they're just playing her out it's crazy <laughs> yeah oh yeah they're they're not one to be uh, messed with <laughs> no. like... then the funniest part is then you have the clients that are like getting their phones out and taking pictures of stuff when you're telling them to get in the boat and you're like you know and trying to keep them safe you're like hey get in the boat <laughs> You know, and they're like, they want to shoot a video, you know, and you're like, no, like, seriously, get in the boat. And they're like, well, he's only 50 yards away. You're like, that's three and a half seconds. Just get in the boat. <laughs> you don't uh, want to be that guy. Oh, no, not at all. It's like the people out at uh, Yellowstone that'll go, like, two feet away from a bison or whatever it is. They'll, like, walk up to it, start taking pictures. I'm like, dude, that thing thing's going to run you over. Like... I would not be getting that close to those animals. Yeah, and I don't know somewhere along the way, like whether it's just losing connection with Mother Nature or what, but you just seem to see more and more of that, and you're almost kind of pulling for the animals, as bad as that sounds. Oh, I, I kind of am with you too. Like, people don't realize how, like, how their minds can change. If they see something wrong, they're gonna fucking run you over. Yeah, oh yeah. And moose, you know, a female moose, a mama moose is about, you know, they make a grizzly bear look like a chump. I mean, don't ever, <laughs> don't ever take a mama moose for granted, man. She'll make you pay. Yeah, we were, uh, when I went out to Ennis with my grandpa, I mean, shit, we were, God, who did we have for a guide? But we took a guide out 
for like a float day on the river and uh cow moose just comes charging at the boat just like a bluff charge and i'm like oh yeah she seemed uh pretty mad i don't know why but she was pretty mad <laughs> yeah i've been treed by two of them and one of them kept me in a tree for about an hour and a half man i'm totally messed up my elk hunt but i was lucky just to get up the tree they're terrifying man they're huge so it's like no oh exactly no, i'm not gonna mess around with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't realize there was that many moose down in ennis um until like this year i mean we just they were everywhere like there were big bulls walking through our campsite and there's no care in the world just kind of passing through yeah they love those alders down there they that's good that's good low fruit for them yeah yeah that's how my buddy's like hey let's go float the madison i'm like i don't know man i don't know this drift boat doesn't move nearly as quick as a pissed off mama moose does i think we'll fish the yellowstone or the big hole oh yeah yeah i didn't is there a um season for those out or for those moose down there yeah there is but man you gotta oof it's tough to pull a tag man pretty pretty sought after i've never pulled one yeah oh i can imagine but yeah lottery type deal. I can, yeah lottery definitely lottery but i can tell you this much man oof, boy they taste delicious mm. i love eating moose mm-hmm. yeah yeah i had uh I had a buddy that shot a moose this year with his uh, 6.5 Creedmoor up in Alaska. <laughs> and it was what? really good. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one alone. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, was flexing, he was flexing his 6.5 six, six, Creedmoor to me. I'm like, yep, fair enough. I get after it. Oh, fuck. That's bold. That is probably the, not the right caliber choice for a moose, but <laughs> bold. It's a bold statement. <laughs> Big time. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um. I was just looking at your uh, incident, dude. So tell me about the um the sheep out in the desert in the in Mexico. I was looking at that. Or where was yeah, that? Yeah, that at? was. That was a cool man. Sonora Desert is a pretty magical place. If you ever get the chance to get down there, um, Mexico is awesome. Can't speak highly enough about going and hunting uh, sheep or coos deer or, or even you know one of those huge mule deer down there. Yeah. Um, the Mexican guides are just—they're like—they're the epitome of patience. And I don't know who taught them how to glass or where they learned how to do it, but they're—they're they're beyond next level. Really. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, I thought I had patience in the glass, but wow, those guys can, they'll sit from sun up to sundown with just, uh, like a couple burritos, some jalapeno peppers that they eat right off the, right off the stem so they get a good sweat going. And you're looking over at them, they're just sweating. And they've got a long sleeve everything. And you're like, man, like, how are you guys doing this? You know? Um, and then, you know, sheep are, they're just a mythical animal anyways. And every time you get to see a, a ram, like, like your experience, whether you're hunting them or not, you're like, man, these things are so cool. Um, and that was a crazy hunt. Um, I was down there with uh, a guy named Mike, who was actually in the first class of um, Navy SEALs. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, this guy's got some crazy stories, and uh, turns out he can shoot because he ended up killing his ram at like 692 yards or something crazy. Jesus. Yeah. That's a fucking and, uh, poke. It was a poke, man. Yeah, I've, I've got that. Uh, I've got that phone scope footage. I can show you too. It's pretty crazy. And yeah. But I mean, he's like he was on oxygen, um, just all heart, all guts, man. Just I, I couldn't believe it that uh, that he was able to go down there and, and pull off a, a desert sheep hunt on an oxygen tank, you know, and then to make that shot, and you're just you, there's like a lot of elements to that that you just couldn't make up, and you're like. Wow, I uh, I like to think I'm pretty tough, but I'm like I'm not Mike shooting a, a ram in Mexico on oxygen tough, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different breed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, a lot of inspiration there. It's like, huh? Yeah, those Navy SEAL guys are crazy though. Like they are just they've been through hell and back doing the Navy SEAL training in general. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was, you know, poking fun of me and stuff because I was down there coos deer hunting, and I was, you know, getting run around by these young guys, and I'm not complaining about it. But you know, I go back, and be like, wow, you know, this country's a little tough to walk in. And then I'd look over at him, and he's got like a tecate around the fire. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, I, I, re- I take that one back. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know how lucky, uh, you know. Oh, I wish I could be 38 years old and have two good legs and two good lungs and everything. He's like, get up there and get that coos deer. I'm like, noted, Mike. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, geez, that's that's dedication. That's for sure, no doubt about it. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. though. Yeah, it sounds like... Yeah. So you've been on some pretty badass trips. What was your favorite trip to go on? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, the one that we suffered the most on was that uh, was that stone sheep hunt up in BC. That one was probably would probably be my favorite because we just set the bar so high on that one. We ran the jet boat uh, like 110, 112 kilometers up the Stikine. Jeez. Um, because we were trying to make this, you know, super badass TV show, and, and we made a good show, but we also made a lot of stupid mistakes that we somehow um, miraculously got out of or made it through or whatever. I mean, there's a rapid set up there called the Jewel Rapids, and the guy who was running the shuttle, like the rapid, killed his brother, and uh, which is a gnarly story. And oh my god! So of course now we're a little bit, you know, torqued out. We're like, man, how bad is this thing? You know, because we looked at it from Google Maps, and none of us had ever run it. And of course, we ended up taking too much time um, filming the TV show, drone shots, and all that. So we ran the thing in the dark. Oh my god! Yeah, not smart. And uh, I, it was one of those things where we. Like we had an idea how much danger we were in, but um, we really figured it out when we ran Jewel taking the boat back out after 14 days, where we damn near put the boat up on the beach and flipped it. And we we're like, how did we make it through this thing at you know at night? And that was just like day one of the trip, you know. Yeah. And then there was that little showdown with the grizzly bear over the food drop and. <laughs> Our guide, our guide, uh, Marcus was his name. He was from Germany, and uh, he'd had exactly as much time in that unit as we did. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew what they were doing, what was going on. 
Uh, I'm not throwing Marcus under the bus, but he was given like a, a 1984 printed out piece of paper, like an eight by 11 with like a hand drawn map. <laughs> I'm not even making this up to this like, mythical stone sheet place. And then there was this packer from Georgia um, who'd never done anything. And thank God he was there because his sense of humor and his faith really pulled us through. And uh, Sam Soulhold, the public land bus guy, he was on that shoot. And oh, yeah. We kept running out of food. I mean, all that Steve, the host of the show, was stealing our food all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. We ended up uh, we ended up seeing four uh, sickle horn rams. According to our tracks, we hiked. Uh, I was like 128 miles on foot with about 70, 60, 70 pound packs on, and we all lost about 12, 14 pounds. We were chasing ptarmigan around with rocks because we ran out of food and jet boil, jet fuel, and we were eating half cooked ptarmigan. And <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> So uh, that one would probably be my favorite just because it was straight out of like Ripley's Believe It or Not. You couldn't even make up the stuff that we went through on that one. Oh my God. See, that seems pretty intense. Yeah, I was, I've never gone stone sheep hunting again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's awesome. Yeah, that's... God, I want to I wanna go chase some sheep because I'd be... That'd be pretty intense. I feel like that's the one of the coolest things. Because I feel like aren't aren't sheep tags just super hard to get um, anywhere really? I feel like sheep tags are pretty hard to get. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the you know literally the top of the mountain. It's mm-hmm. uh it's a once in a lifetime tag anymore. You know, no matter what state you're in, um, that's the way it's going. It's definitely a definitely a wealthy person sport no doubt about it yeah um i I just it blows my mind some of the uh, money that's being raised by these governor's tags and stuff like that which is awesome for conservation but like the average guy you're like holy crap man am i ever gonna get a chance to go and get a doll in alaska or you know what i mean yeah oh dude yeah you look at um the sheep show i mean fucking what was that one tag that was like four hundred thirty thousand dollars yeah i think that was here in montana they have a bighorn yeah like who who has that money to just drop on a sheep tag not me <laughs> <laughs> like to just casually throw out four hundred thousand dollars just be like yeah i want a sheep tag like that'd be sick Right. Yeah, it's it's wild. And it's, it's a bummer, man, because I think everybody should have a chance to, you know, to go out and, and, and try to get a sheep. Um, that being said, uh, man, those sheep guides, they're out of their minds, man. They're on a whole different level of crazy. Like get to get to know, befriend a good, a really good, talented sheep guide. Yeah. And buy him some beers and some shots and just pull up a chair and just get them going because those guys are nuts, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, cause, I mean, you're hiking up mountains all your life chasing these sheep. I mean, you got to be in pretty good shape if you're going to be doing that. Yeah, and yeah, physically, yeah. 
absolutely but their mental toughness is just unbelievable man and they think like the suffering part of it's fun you know like they're like masochists you're like dude how is this fun and they love it oh yeah i need a i need to have a couple of my buddies go sit down with some sheep hunters because I mean, dude, we'll go pheasant hunt and we'll walk like maybe seven miles through the cattails and they're like, it's about one o'clock and they're, we've been walking for three hours or whatever. It's like, dude, I can't even breathe anymore. Like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is, this is not even close to, if you're going elk hunting or anything like that, like you need to, you need to chill out if you think you want to do anything like that. Yeah. I don't know if you, I'd be booking them on a sheep hunt. <laughs> <laughs> just need to get their mind right just be like all right boys you need to you need to get your uh mental focus down a little bit i mean it's only fucking three miles i think you can do it uh, yeah I, I just run a simulation you know like <laughs> get them in a like a, in a locked room where you can control like wind rain sideways snow hail freezing and then get them on a stairmaster for like 10 days straight <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah that's that's it right there yeah, that yeah is it. And, and only only give them like a like four granola bars and like a, <laughs> the shittiest mountain house and be like here you go <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah dude that's that seems like a pretty intense way to hunt i mean i definitely definitely like to go do that but that's you got to be in shape for that i feel like mentally and physically I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I feel like that's, if you're going to be hiking those mountains up, I mean, me- I feel like mentally is just the biggest thing. You just got to be mentally there. Like, man, you hit the nail on the head and that's, you know, not just sheep on you know, and that's the big thing now that I threw brown bear hunting under the bus, I'll pull it out and dust it off and stand it up. <laughs> um, it's the same deal with, you know, brown bear hunting. It's just, it's the mental thing, you know, it's just being able to just grind it out be like, okay, we're going to be in the, in the glass for 18 hours today. The weather's going to suck. We're going to be cold and wet. Yeah. And this is a week and a half deal. You know, the same thing goes for elk hunting. It's like, and it's crazy. Like we're, you know, I think, People are just getting softer and softer, you know. They're yeah. like, I'm seeing a lot of guys throw the towel in on day six and seven, you know, like I quit, this is too much. And you're like, Oh, come on though. Like you have a tent, you have a, a dry place to sleep, like <laughs> you've never had better meals, you know, we got bacon shit, we have spam camp. I mean, if you eat a spam <laughs> sandwich, how bad can it really be, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just stay mentally tough, man. Don't let the mountain beat you. You're absolutely right. Oh, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, like waterfall hunting, I mean, all you have to do is go set up and stuff like that. But you got to be really mentally there if you're going to hunt those big game animals. Like, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, if you're in the mountain, for, fuck, if you're in the mountain for seven to 10 days, just sitting in a camp, drinking whiskey and chasing elk all day, like, you're going to be tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I'm not acting like I'm some big, tough, you know, badass either. I mean, I, there was one time on a brown bear hunt, we spent uh, 29 or 30 days in a tent. And we were weathered in for 11 of them. And you want to talk about losing your mind, bro. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, being in a I tent mean, for 11 days. 
and I was in there with another camera op and thank God he's, he's one of my best friends. Cause after like two days, you've slept all you can sleep. Yep. You know, day three, you've day three, four, you've pretty much gone through all the stories that you didn't know. And, and most of them that you already did know, you know, day, day six or seven, you start hearing each other breathe loud and you start yelling at each other. You're like, dude, shut up. Stop breathing so loud. The guy's like, I have to breathe. What do you want me to do about it? Oh God, yeah. It gets bad, you know. Eight by eight little tent, but you just grind it out, you know. You just grind it out. Oh, exactly. And I mean, dude, even like you on a trip for uh, with some buddies for a while. I mean, eventually they're gonna get on your nerves a little bit. But being eleven days in a tent together, that'd be pretty intense. Yeah, I got bad. It got real bad. But, you know, I mean, yeah, like one time, like Dan just got so lazy, he just went and just like peed in the vestibule, and, you know, and you're like, come on, like, you know, this is all we have. This is our safe space. Like, you couldn't walk three feet further. You're peeing in the vestibule now, yeah. and you're getting like a fight about that. You know, and then you're making rules up, like, hey, like, you can't pee in the vestibule, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah, that's pretty intense because, I mean, yeah, you'll go on a, like, even on our trip, it was a blast out to Montana. But, I mean, at the end, you'll be like, yeah, get on the nerves a little bit. But it, over overall, it's just a good trip. Yeah, man, and, that, and that's, you know, that's part of it. You want to go out there and you want to, you, I don't know if you want to come back with those kind of stories, but it's part of the fabric of the trip, you know I mean? <laughs> You know, people are like, hey, how crazy was that bear hunt six years ago? I'm like, well, damn, Pete in the vestibule. You know? I was like, that's what I take away from. But yeah, it's all part of it. You know, just, you know, if you can laugh about it later, you know, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So, oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's a lot of fun. Just, you know, hanging out with buddies and doing what you can, I guess. But. Yeah, man, that's what that's what uh, that's the goal, right? That's what we do our nine to five for, and uh, that's the time we try and create and the adventures and the places, you know, and people we try and share them with. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I was. Uh, have you ever fished Bristol Bay? Yes, I have. How was that? That was a pretty. It looks like a pretty sweet spot. Yeah, Bristol Bay, man. That's oof, boy. That's that's um. Oh, what is it? The statistic, I think it's like 33, 32, 33% of the last remaining wild salmon population. I mean, it's it's like, it's the last little Valhalla that we have. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. If you haven't been up to Bristol Bay, I'd chip in on a ticket. Like, you yeah. gotta go for it. It's insane. Yeah, and they were almost gonna <laughs> shut it all down for the mine. So they, yeah, they were doing something with the mine, weren't they? They were gonna try to put a pebble mine out there or something? Yeah, that's yeah. Shoot that pebble mine, man. That's a bad deal. That's, they've been trying to push that through Northern Dynasty for the past I don't know, 16, 18 years or so, and we've been we've just been fighting the good fight. I'm a yeah. I'm a proud ambassador of the of the no pebble mine movement with Trout Unlimited, and yeah, um, yeah. It's it's not only you know be obviously because as a fishing guy that that's a huge part of my income, but. Uh, Man, for the next future generations coming, like to lose that, to have that mind go in, would be just an, just catastrophic. It'd be a catastrophic deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Got to think about the youth. I mean, all the next generations that are kind of come up and want to experience that. 
not be able to experience it if they get the chance like yeah i'm with you on that yeah it keeps me up sometimes at night <laughs> it stresses me out <laughs> <laughs> well, I, can, I can imagine yeah because yeah that'd be a that'd be a big deal if they threw a pebble mine up there yeah and, and unfortunately i don't i think it's an it's an if you know, uh, or it's it's a it's when not yeah. if. Yeah. Um. There's there's so much money, and I it pains me to say it, but there's so much copper, there's so much gold sitting in there, and with our current, you know, just absolute losing our minds with technology, the copper that goes into the phones and the computers and the iPads and the vehicles and all that. Um. But that's also a reason I feel like it's it's more important now than ever just to keep dragging our heels in the in the ground and, and just doing whatever we can to prolong it. You know, prolong the fight. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You just gotta think about the youth, and I mean, that's that's another thing. I mean, the youth that are gonna come up and try to experience these things, like, yeah. 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 I mean, I. I don't have any kids, but I look at my nieces and my nephew, and unfortunately, none of them had the chance to go up to Alaska yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, then they they look at my photos, and then they ask me to tell the stories and stuff, and about the bears and the fishing and the caribou and the eagles and you know just everything that that um, that makes Alaska so incredibly just unique and and worth uh, standing up and fighting for and like. I'm like man you know i don't want to imagine a world where they're not going to have the chance to go up and and see and experience the alaska that i have yeah you know? yeah exactly it's, it's crazy when you can just take a pink pink wog or a pink popper and cast it to you know 100 silvers that you can see and watch four or five silvers just compete just to smoke that thing off the water and a toilet bowl flush and then <laughs> your drag starts screaming and you can do that for weeks and weeks and weeks on end you know and you're like man how could we possibly mess up this resource that just takes care of itself like all we have to do is not mess it up yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah like it's already there just just leave it let it be and don't try to don't try to ruin it for everyone yeah exactly nature's pretty badass that way you know If, if we just kind of get out of her way sometimes and just let her let her do her thing especially up there where the hand of man isn't isn't so far into it just yet i mean there's we're definitely in it but yeah boy it's one of those last wild strongholds where it's like it still has a chance to take care of itself so let's just let her do it oh exactly i was uh god well i think it was the joe rogan podcast and he had donnie vincent on and he was talking about when he was up there um doing some like uh, biology work for the salmon or something like that and he's like yeah you gotta like lay boards down so then like your footprints don't get in the dirt because like they'll stay there for an entire lifetime and it could like mess up the environment or something I thought that was like whoa like it's pretty intense oh yeah yeah that tundra up there is it has a memory man It's it's crazy and even just flying over these little remote villages and just seeing where somebody took a quad and just drove over to a you know to a lookout over one of the creeks or tributaries and that was 30 years ago and it looks like they drove over it yesterday yeah and you're like wow this is incredibly fragile incredibly fragile like we really and yeah he hit the nail on the head like definitely need to take care of that 100 percent yeah 
Because I didn't really think about that. Like, I mean, you're so used to driving through stuff down here for hunting, taking four-wheeler trails, whatever it is. And then it's like you go think about up there, and it's just like you can really make a huge impact on that environment. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the deeper you go with it, like, the cooler – the cooler like science facts you find like you know that salmon dna is all the way up at the top of the mountain and it's in the mountain goats yeah you know it's like stuff like that we are like holy crap man like this ecosystem is so so delicate and it's so like perfected for what it is like you're telling me that the salmon that was out in the ocean for four years or three years or you know what i mean that whole salmon story to come back and spawn travels all the way up through the forest and ends up in the in the lichen in the moss and then in the goats that's yeah. magical man that's crazy like yeah it's unbelievable like how that just all pieces together and makes just one big environment yeah yep like that's just that's really cool i mean being being able to kind of hear some of those stories about that and i mean yeah it's pretty badass <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, oof, like I tell everybody. It's like if, if you haven't been to Alaska, man, put it. Everybody's got their top five or their top three or their top ten, but man, Alaska should be on the very tippy top of that list because it's it's just unbelievable the amount of wildlife up there. It's 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 life changing, man. It it gets in your blood like it, it's gotten in mind. It like changes your perception on life. It, it makes you realize you know just a lot of different truths about nature and and. And then for me, it's taken away from us. It's like you're, we're so small and like so insignificant. <laughs> um, and we just show up for like this tiny little blink in time. But then we still have like such as catastrophic ability to ruin stuff too, you know? So it's like, yeah. which way are you going to leave it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for you too, like to be able to experience it and no electricity or no phones or whatever it is, and realize like, dang, like this is the wilderness. I'm not going anywhere like I can do this and um, I don't need technology for all that kind of stuff absolutely man the technology freak out is real like coming back and clicking back into the matrix man it's wild it's just two different worlds (laughs) I know which one I like better (laughs) I'm with you dude like I, I love going out without my phone like, if I could do that, like, every once in a while I need to check it, but, like, I, no, I don't even need to check it at all. Like, we'll go down to, we have, like, a spot that we go hunt for turkeys and stuff like that, fly fish, all that kind of good stuff, and it's down the, like, deep valleys in Winona, and, I mean, there's no service down there. Like, you go down there for five days or whatever, and you stay in this little hunting shack that... um I got permission to stay at and then like we just hang out there drink a bunch of beer drink a bunch of whiskey try to shoot some turkeys like it's just a good time like being with your buddies don't have to worry about technology and just one with nature yeah it's, it's crazy isn't it i mean it's it almost it's kind of funny because the first day or two at least for me it kind of almost feel like you're going through a withdrawal yeah. essentially you're like checking your pocket and you're like where's my phone where's my okay where's my phone <laughs> and then like day two you're like man this is pretty neat you know like i just look at my phone for time or, or maybe bring it out just to take some photos yeah 
Um, and then, yeah, like, especially for me, like, even on your trip, you know, like, days three, four, days 60, 70, whatever it may be, like, you start to be like, man, this is like, this is deluxe. It's like, yeah. it's just kind of like a weight that isn't there anymore that you don't have to worry about the notifications going off or what's happening in the world or politics or anything. Yeah. And uh, you just, I think you just get that, you know, just a better, deeper connection to, to what you're out there to do. And, and then I think you come back, like you're saying, and you're like, man, you know, once you're outside of the bubble, <laughs> You're like, huh, this is more of an interesting perspective when you're back in the bubble. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even when we'd, uh, I used to go up to Canada for like 10 days and go fish with uh, my buddy and then like his family. And uh, I mean, dude, it was just so much fun. Like, don't have to worry about anything. You're just out there fishing. Like, that's all you're there to do. Just there to fish, hang out. Like, can't be to play cards around the table. Yeah. yeah, the world the world needs more of that, in my opinion. The world needs more of that. Yeah. And yeah, because that technology thing, man, with the next couple generations, like, you know, I have this conversation frequently. It's like, it's that's our biggest our biggest competitor right now is getting getting these kids, getting the youth connected out there into nature, to just fish, to just play cards, to not have an iPad thrown in front of their place, not have that instant gratification, you know, that now 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 it's like man put the damn screen down like look around you why is that squirrel doing that that squirrel's cool as hell like mm-hmm. check that out you know <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly you know why was that fish so much fun to catch well because you were completely present you were in the moment you know why why was that campfire joke so funny it's because nobody's looked at their phones for two days yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i mean you I mean, all the kids now, they're just always screen time, screen time, screen time. And, like, even when I was a kid, uh, my mom would just take us to go play in the mud. Like, just go out there, don't have to worry about anything, you're just going to play in the mud. Like, I feel like nobody really does that anymore around where we're at. Yeah, it's sad, man. Well, and, like, you know, I'm quite a bit older than you. Like, man, I'm so glad I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Like, yeah. We, we like my four or five buddies like we all had a we all had a bet going we had like fifty dollars or a hundred dollars in the pot to see who's gonna be the last one to get a cell phone man like i didn't know what it's you know cell phones pagers like what the hell is that you know yeah they like, oh. had a crush on a girl you'd have to ask your parents for like the extra long you know home telephone cord to like sneak it into your room and like talk to her for like an hour i was like <laughs> Yeah, you're out there playing in the rain and the mud and like flipping rocks over in the creek and stuff and fishing and yeah, yeah I'm I'm with you, man. I'm just so glad I grew up that way. Hundred yeah. percent. Oh, exactly. You're just being a kid. Like that's all it is. Like, yeah, and like you know, back then, you know, if you had a beef with a kid, like you guys just sorted it out. You didn't do like this group text or chat or whatever. You yeah. know, they just sorted things out. It was a better, easier time. But oh, oh yeah. Oh. It's it's so funny to like watch that kind of stuff. I mean, I that kind of drama and stuff. You just see like kids. Just, oh, do do do. I'm like, dude, if you have a problem, like, come talk. It's not that hard. Right, like, right. And that's why I'm like, I'm taking my nieces and my nephew out, and I'm putting, you know, I'm teaching them how to shoot guns, teaching yeah. them how to respect guns. You know, it's like, hey, you know, despite what everybody's telling me, you know, these things just don't go around killing people. 
you know yeah. like this you know, like this is how it, you know but that's important you know like a couple of my nieces you know they're a little bit tripped out you know the first time they had a gun put in their hand at a rifle range and you go through the safety protocols and show them how to properly handle a weapon then they pop off a 22 and start hitting the targets they're 223 and they're like whoa you know like uncle ian we got to do this again yeah you know and like i think the world needs more of that too you know it's like we gotta we gotta keep getting these kids outside man we gotta keep doing it. it's the only way exactly and like even with my buddies fuck they're even some of the guys that i hang out with 20 years old 22 whatever and i mean i'll just go take them out pigeon shooting and they've never shot a gun before and i'm like yeah you got to do this got to make sure not to do that and da 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 give them the whole run through and then go knock on some silos and they'll go whiff on a bunch of pigeons but then they'll be like dude that was that was awesome that was like you get to do this all the time like why where was i for this right right like you see the light bulb get flicked on you're like yeah. bing there you go man welcome to the club <laughs> exactly oh uh, yeah because i mean once you're hooked you're hooked that's that's just how it is right we're not all these like bloodthirsty savages you yeah. know like sometimes the way we're portrayed we're like this is just good clean respectful ethical fun it's a fun it's good clean fun yeah who doesn't like good clean fun exactly go hang out with your buddies and go sh- try to shoot a deer whatever it is waterfowl elk like you're just out there going to have fun that's what it's all about bingo man especially now the world needs more of that now more than ever i'm sure our parents and grandparents said that too but yeah here we are <laughs> oh, exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. dude oh i i hear you on that i mean so many so many people get worked up but yeah it's it's fine yep but yep. yeah no dude um trying to think i we covered a ton today that was a blast yeah this is this has been awesome man i appreciate you uh reaching out to me man we got to do this again this was fun yeah absolutely brother i appreciate you hopping on for a little bit absolutely absolutely man i'm wide open to do it again and uh doors always open in montana for friends buddy doors always open i appreciate if i'm uh if i'm out in hopefully i'm out in montana again maybe make another ennis trip with a couple buddies and hopefully i can go buy a few beers out there I will never say no to cold, wet beer. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Uh, but, yeah, no, anything uh, anything you'd want to go over before we wrap things up here that we didn't go over? Man, I'm with you. I think we covered some pretty good ground, man. We got some good bullshit then, uh, some <laughs> conservation, some youth, created some stories. Yeah. Uh, said nothing, you know, nothing but good things about Montana. Don't come here, it sucks. Um, <laughs> I gotta throw that one in there. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. No, man, it's, it's, it's been a blast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And for all the people that want to go buy a 6.5 Creedmoor, go do it. Yeah, go, go. And keep your eye on that 6.8. It's going to be the next meme master. I guarantee it. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. All right. See ya. and that wraps things up today with ian talked about so much i mean i had a blast talking with him and just hearing some of those stories about why montana is so great and what you're able to do just on a regular monday afternoon like like he said go chase wolves go do whatever you want like just watch 
two, 3,000 elk run down through a valley and see those wolves chasing. That's not something you see every day, especially if you're living in a city or something like that. So really go chase, chase what you want to do, chase where you want to live, man. And like some of those trips that he's had the pleasure of being on is just super cool to hear and kind of really get a feel for what it's like to be up in Alaska and what it's like to live in Montana just from his viewpoint and how fortunate he's been on just to chase what he loves to do and do that every day. So I hope you guys uh, really enjoyed it.